the Summer Skate Studios Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey West Weekly. Behind the Mask's College Hockey West Weekly is brought to you by Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. Stop in for lunch, cater your next event, or just buy a couple of bottles of our award-winning sauces. The NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. The Tag Creative Group. Search T-G-R-A-N-R-U-D at redbubble.com and let us create a unique design for you or your business. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to behindthemask.com whether you're on ice or in line. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, where an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations around the world. The Spaghetti Shack, classic Italian food quickly with locations in Tempe and Pine Top. Order online at thespaghettishack.com. Liberty University, play for something more. Faith, education, and hockey at liberty.edu. College Hockey Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. Summer skates, shower shoes, or koozies to show your game and style at summerskates.com. And by the Caesars Sportsbook app, a proud partner of the NHL. College Hockey West Weekly from the Summer Skate Studios presented by Behind the Mask as a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, anywhere that may be joining us this early Tuesday afternoon. Scott Strandy with you today in Lake Elmo, Minnesota. My co-host as always, Paul Hornstein, joining me from that big, beautiful palatial estate where the sun is still shining, I'm sure, on Long Island, New York. Paul, how are things on this Tuesday afternoon as we get prepared for an early show? Well, it'd be nice if the sun was actually shining. <laughs> I try. I, I try every week to give you something. I get nothing. Get nothing back. This, this, uh, like I said, I can deal with kind of that swampiness. And I don't know if this is hurricane related or not, but um, it, the swampiness without the sunshine, ixnay, no good, no bueno. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, we're doing early today because for well, a very good reason. We've got the, the head coach from. Nebraska, Omaha, Mike Gabinet joining us, the Mavericks head coach for the first time. Right. So this is exciting because, as you know, we added the I-29 corridor from Grand Forks to Sioux Falls to Omaha into our lineup, and it's time to start talking to the coaches. We talked to uh, everybody up in Sioux Falls. Right. Garrett Rayboin. Right. <laughs> uh, we're on our way to get somebody from North Dakota, Brad Berry. You now and you today, would th- today we're gonna get Mike Gabinet. Right, well, you would think by now I would with all these quote geography lessons I get every week that um <laughs> that you learn something. Yeah, but I don't. Don't ever take it out on your students then. If you're not learning this geography, just let your students just have a pass. Um. Well, if I was teaching geography, I agree. <laughs> but phys ed, no passes. Um, no, it depends, but not for geography. <laughs> okay. 
Anyway, I twenty nine splits the states of North Dakota and Minnesota, South Dakota and Minnesota, takes you down to Nebraska. So you have Nebraska on one side, Iowa on the other, and takes you all the way down to Kansas City and then beyond. But anyway, that's uh, that's all right. Well, I, I might be able to remember that. Okay, just go North Dakota. No, 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 no. I'm not. No, 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 no. Now you're getting carried away. Okay. I said I might remember that that road basically goes down the middle of all those places. You're not. Don't ask me. And it's not just a road, my friend. It's an interstate. And I'm going to let you ramble on for a minute because I'm going to call the coach and get him online with us. Well, I still would like to figure out why half the time when uh, we do this that. for some reason, and it doesn't necessarily come out, doesn't come out when we, when, when on the download, but it, your voice speeds up or the recording that you're using speeds up. And I don't understand why uh, that happens. And uh, I wish I was technical enough to figure it out, but it just sounds weird or you're like you're doing some sort of uh, laughing gas or something. But, you know, uh, looking forward to having the coach on. Um, very interesting team, very interesting league, as we've discussed a lot over these last couple of weeks. Um, his team is very interesting as well. Um, you know, always comes down to the guy, uh, that's the last line of defense and he's got one of the best in the league. So I look forward to talking to him about that as, as well as, um, you know, just having him, you know, discuss the program and, and things of that nature and, like we always do, and hopefully uh, the, the coach will feel uh, as relaxed as most of the coaches that we get on there. So, so we'll see what happens with that. All right, Paul, we, uh, we've got our guest. We've got the head coach from the University of Nebraska-Omaha, Mike Gavinette, joining us. Mike, Scott, and Paul with you, thanks so much for joining us uh, in a midday during the start of the hockey season. How are you, and how are things in Omaha? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me on. Things are good. We're just getting underway here. We got our kind of limited hours with the team, but excited to get back on ice with the guys and start teaching, start the development process, and get to know our new players and, and keep building on uh, uh, what we've been doing with our returners. So, uh, always exciting when you finally can get coaching and put away the busy stuff and get doing what you love to do. I hear you, Coach. Uh, before we start talking about your current team, I've had a chance to watch some uh, past. Mavericks in the AHL. Uh, I had a chance to see Isaiah Seville play. I've had a chance to see uh, Taylor Ward play. So um, kudos to you guys for what you're doing and sending guys on to the professional ranks because they're holding up really well. And more important than that, they are great interviews and a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, well, two great players you just talked about there. And, and yeah, we take a lot of pride and we've had some really good success, especially the last few years of whether it's getting guys drafted in HL or signing NHL contracts or moving on to the professional ranks. And, you know, you get to know those guys really well when they're here for their three or four years at the university. And so you're always cheering for them to, to do well in the professional ranks, and, and they're doing just that. Okay, I'm also going to throw this one in as we uh, get going on the introduction side. Since uh, I told you when you before we got on the air that we're adding, I call the I-29 corridor with you and Sioux Falls and North Dakota, but... We call the NCHC the best conference in college hockey, and I guess you probably know why. But um, give us a thumbnail, uh, Mike, of the NCHC and what it's been like for the uh, number of years that you've been involved. 
Well, it gives you a great, uh, a great taste of what it feels like to play an elite competition week in, week out. And I think, as you mentioned, if you just look at the last seven, eight years of the college hockey, there's a lot of national championships coming out of the NCHC and a lot of a lot of teams in the Frozen Four. And so it's just kind of one of those conferences where you know there's you know, whether it's North Dakota or Denver or Duluth or Saint Cloud or you go up and down the the list, Western Michigan. There, you know, there's somebody that's been at the tournament and done well. So. It's one of those things where every weekend you got to be prepared to play, and I also think that's what makes it, you know, somewhat enjoyable too as a coach. Where you're, you know, there's no freebies every weekend. You're preparing to play a really good opponent that's going to be well prepared, and so that helps you get better as a coach. And ultimately, if you're a player and you want to aspirations to play on the professional level to play against some of the best competition out there all season long, I think to your point earlier, it prepares you to have a successful pro career as well. So uh, it's only to get stronger now with that in ASU and. And uh, so it's uh, it's a tough conference, but it's uh, it's also a lot of fun because the competition level is so high. Okay, you brought it up, Coach. So full disclosure here, um, I don't know if my if Scott has told you. I, or I not, warned him. I you warned him. him? Okay. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Um, I am an ASU alum, and right off the get go, um, you guys there at Omaha. Uh, have played ASU basically even in their first hybrid year. And so I, I, I appreciate that. Um, you guys are the, the first NCHC team to play them. Um, but when you, as a UNO alum, uh, agreed to go play there, um, UNO was not as big a school as ASU starting out their program. And they were a new program basically when you went. Um, how does a guy from Western Canada find out about a, a new program like Omaha when you got recruited? Well, yeah, I, I was here, I think maybe the third year of the program, the third right. year of the program. So it was a little bit established. So I heard a little bit about it, but at, to your point, uh, being from Western Canada, you don't hear much and especially, uh, you know, you and always just new to the, the market there. And so I actually got recruited by David Quinn who's now the head coach in the San Jose Sharks. So he was the defenseman coach uh, back in the day when uh, when I would played for Mike Kemp was the head coach. And so I got recruited by Quinter, and, and I was actually a football player growing up. Uh, my dad never played hockey. He was a football coach. And my grandfather was a hockey coach. So I played both sports um, growing up. And so I knew about the Cornhuskers, you know, Nebraska <laughs> Cornhuskers. So, so I kind of had a little bit inkling of the radar there. Uh, they were a pretty good team in the early 2000s. So I had a little bit of, you know, just Nebraska on my radar. And then obviously got to come down here on a recruiting trip. And just like we get, you know, what usually happens now is once we get the, the young men out here on a trip and they just see, you know, how great the city is and the campus and the facilities and all that stuff, it really is an eye-opener because, as you said, you know, a lot of people don't just know about it through word of mouth or through reputation. So um, so that's how I ended up down here, a little bit of the football connection that kind of drew me to the state a little bit. And then, obviously, the, the recruiting visit sealed the deal. Mike, the, uh, the NCHC, as we said earlier, second to none in conference play. But as a head coach and then being a former player, uh, do you enjoy that challenge every week? Or would, would you sometimes like maybe to have not quite as challengeable schedule? I know I get more sleep. I think it wasn't <laughs> quite as, uh, 
intelligible and maybe uh you know I'm starting to get a few gray hairs nowadays but uh <laughs> but yeah so it's it, you know what it is challenging it's challenging when you're in the gauntlet you can't you know you can't really you know take a weekend off or maybe try to get more of your lineup into the lineup maybe if you could if you maybe had a little bit of a different schedule where you're you know you're not living dying by every single game out there so there's definitely some challenges uh, that come with that difficult of a schedule um, so that's always tricky but I mean you just you know you play the the hand you're dealt a little bit and you got to figure out ways around it because there are some benefits that come with it as well so got to kind of look at it as an optimistic through an optimistic lens and and just prepare for it and you know that also helps drive you become a better coach because you know what's coming around the corner isn't going to be easy so I think from a development standpoint I appreciate the the pressures of the weekend to week out but definitely from the human side of it, it would be nice maybe once in a while to you know play more of your lineup and catch your breath a little bit and sleep a little bit better at night well coach uh and i i think people should understand that you know about the pressure um one of the i got an indirect compliment uh one day from uh one of your predecessors dean blaze about a hockey strategy and you've had to follow him and Mike Kemp uh, in your job. And, and I don't, you know, obviously those that's pressure following guys <laughs> of that nature, yeah. that's pressure. And, and I would assume that you've tried to uh, use the handling of that pressure to translate that and communicate that with your players about what it's like every day. Absolutely. I think one of the first things that I try to tell myself with pressure in general is it means you get to do something that's important. And I think there's a lot of people in life that maybe just don't get that opportunity to, you know, be at that high a level where there's pressure on the line. So first off, I think sometimes you got to reflect on the, the positive of that it means you're, you know, you've done something at a high level, you're doing something at a high level where you have pressure uh, to deal with. So I always remind myself of that. And then I think, like you said, I mean, you mentioned two really, you know, legendary coaches here at the school with Dean Blaze and, and Mike Kemp, and, and they did such a good job building the foundation of what we get to benefit of today. So I think just, you know, being grateful for that and then also just, you know, trying to forge your own path a little bit and be your own person and, and take, you know, take what you've learned from those guys and implement it now and build on it. And then also be true to yourself, though, too. I think, you know, you can't be somebody you're not, so it's important to make sure you're being yourself and, and being the, being the best coach that you can be and, uh, you know, coaching to your strengths and working on your areas of growth. And so I try to think about those things as I, you know, handle that situation of being a head coach in college hockey and at a, at a really good union institution like this, following two very good coaches. Mike, uh, Paul and I had Michael Weissman on and, uh, the other night, and we were chatting with him about uh, the strength of schedule and the caliber of the rosters and the depth of the rosters and all that. And, um, I brought up the question to him. I said, do you think this is going to be the second time in the history of the NCHC that there could be six teams making the NCAA tournament just based on what you see? So that's that's kind of the comment. And then I said, when I looked at the, the preseason ballot that Paul and I both just filled out and we're trying to put them in order and we're going like, man, how do you do this? Because you guys are all so close. And one thing that came to mind for me, and I'll, I'll ask you this one straight up, when you look at your schedule, and, and I looked at, okay, if you have a great goaltender, which you do, and you have a schedule that I think is formidable to you or quote-unquote helpful to you, um, does that help you in the balancing and compete level 
if that makes any sense. Because I look at you guys getting to start off with not easy opponents, but you get a bunch at home. And I would think as a coach, you've got to love that, don't you? Yeah, I think anytime, you know, it's always trying to, you know, start start on time if you can and get off to a good start and, and use your, your home ice to your advantage, you know, where you're a little bit more set in your routine and can work on some things and be home and not having to fight travel. So we definitely want to start off strong. And, and like you said, we got some good opponents early there too, which is good. I think at times, you know, you want to get your feet wet and get into it, but also it's, it's nice to have some good, uh, competition. I think we get Western Michigan right off the bat. I think early November and then CHC. So we'll get, we'll get right to the fire there. We got Ohio State at home, and um, we got some good. You know, Nagger gave us a lot of trouble there early last year there. So we got those guys again here at home. So it won't be an easy start. And but I think, like you said, when you get when you get a good good start, but not an impossible start, it's it's really good to be focused on just that daily improvement and making sure you're growing week to week and. Um, when you have big games, you know, right around the corner, it helps build to, to those games, especially when conference play begins. Coach, uh, on the schedule, you, you guys are starting with an exhibition game in Mankato. Now, we see a lot of exhibition games on the schedule, but that, is, to me, is an unusual kind of game where um, you're playing a team of that caliber in an exhibition game. So how did that game come about? Well, when they beat the <laughs> Excuse me. When they made the rule change, you could play an NCAA team for an exhibition game. Right. Mankato not being too far away, we thought it would be nice to. They came here last year. We're going there this year, and and it is nice to get that. You know, preferably, I'd like to get a really tough exhibition game. You know, I think you learn more from adversity, and you learn more from challenges than you do from maybe just getting some false, uh, some false information on overconfidence almost. So. I like the fact we're playing such a great team for an exhibition game where if you do things well, you'll probably get rewarded. If you don't, you'll probably face some adversity. And uh, as a coach, I like that early. And so we can learn and continue to improve as we prepare for our next opponent. So um, I love the fact we're able to, to play such a good opponent just off the bat there to get things going. Okay, so you talk about opponents. The two things that jumped out at me, Coach, were, uh, and Paul, I'm sure, is going to love this one, is LIU is coming to play you. Um, in uh, mid-November, and then Thanksgiving weekend. I think you have a really fun one for fans in the Sioux Falls and Omaha area that get a chance to uh, have a home-and-home with Augustana as they uh, get ready to start their first season. So tell us a little bit about those and and how excited you are to have LIU coming and then uh, home-and-home over the Thanksgiving holiday. And as you mentioned earlier there, too, we, when we played ASU early, too, I mean, we were that program yeah. not too, too long ago, too, right, where we were cracking into the NCAA and, and a lot of teams, I think, you know, extended an all-branch for us to play them and, and get our feet wet into college hockey. And so um, I know talking to, you know, Mike Kemp, and he's still here as an executive athletic director, and, you know, just trying to get L- LIU up and running and, you know, play them. And we took a trip out to New York last year. That was a really neat experience flying into New York and then hosting them here. And then Augustana, too, it's, I mean, it just makes so much sense. We're only two and a half hours away from those guys. So to do a home-and-home, home, I think it's a great um, experience for our fans and to maybe even take a road trip where they actually play at the, I think it's the Denny Center there where we're hosting uh, nationals for NCAA tournament too. So just a bit of a different venue there. We're doing a really nice facility there. So, and helping them get up and running as well. So uh, we always try to make sure we're, you know, helping teams like they helped us. And, and, uh, and the fact that, uh, you know, especially with our, some of our non-conference travel over the last few years has been so far to get a, 
to get us up at game that's only a couple hours away, I'll, I'll definitely take that over uh, <laughs> you know, flight to uh, Lake State or something like that. That's a little tougher to get to. Okay, right. I got to jump in. Let me jump in one more, Paul, because okay. I'm going to lead you into this one. But Paul and I were also looking at your uh, your January schedule, and and I'm going like uh, January 5th and 6th, you're going to be in Tempe for the Desert Hockey Classic. And then the following weekend, you get to go to North Dakota. Is there any more culture change, temperature change than those two? I'm going to try to soak up as much vitamin D as we can. <laughs> trip to North Dakota. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a little bit of a unique schedule there for sure. Going for some pretty hot weather to some pretty cold weather there. But, uh, yeah, that January, February, we, we get after. I think we go ASU and ODAC and Denver and a lot of good teams in a row there. So, um, But we're looking forward to, I think, it'll be a fun trip out to, to Phoenix there just to, after Christmas there to get some good weather in January. And then we're, then we're locking, locking down here for the, for the NCHC outlet there, uh, starting off and, uh, always, uh, always a little bit chilly up there in North Dakota. <laughs> That's why I'm not going. He, I don't have to go. You guys have to go. I don't have to. It's Scott keeps trying to get me to do that and I'm not doing it. Mike, just so you know, I'm a Northern Minnesota guy. So, uh, Paul, Paul's uh, a little softy. He doesn't know what it's like to, to be in the great North and you being from the Edmonton area. I know, you know, the great North as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Recess never got canceled <laughs> when I grew up. That's for sure. That's Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> and a snow day was a real snow day, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We don't, I don't believe in those snow. I'm, I'm on Long Island. I don't, uh, I'm no, just no, I don't even want to be here when it's cold. So, um, uh, on your team, coach, um, and, and and I mentioned before that it's it starts on the back end. Um, uh, I was watching your, your goalie uh, Simon Lacozzi uh, when he played in the World Juniors, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy's going to go to Omaha and he is going to kill it. And I don't think I was too off on that. Yeah, he's, you know what? It was great. He just he ended up having such a strong second half last year. And thought he went a little bit in the first half, like most guys do, adapting to the the different level from junior to college. And but uh, one thing that I just loved about Simon and continue to love about him is his mindset. You know, it's really, really process focused and very driven to you know keep improving and doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. Has a really good just mental makeup, which I think is so important for goaltenders, uh, especially today's day, especially in the NCHC with the competition phase. So really proud of him, and you know he's continuing to develop and get better. We got uh, a new coach here, Peter Aubrey here, associate coach. Just spent the last eight years as a, a uh, Chicago Blackhawks NHL development goalie coach, worked with their American League team in Rockford, and so it's just kind of a really nice. Uh, thing to you know he's working with with, uh, with Simon now and and getting Seth Isley a transfer up from Lake State uh, coming in here too so those guys are in good hands and uh, looking for those you know Simon to continue to build on what he did last season. Um, everybody seems to have and and once again you mentioned it so I'll I'll, I'll piggyback off of it. Everybody seems to have a different philosophy when it comes to the portal. Um, do you guys? You guys are bringing in about four or five guys from the portal this year. Um, is is there a specific mindset that you guys go into uh, with the portal, or does it just kind of vary from year to year? I think I think you know it's it's nowadays you're almost like a general manager where it's just so tricky to know who's coming and who's going, who's signing and who's staying. Um, 
so it's really you know it's really uh, it's really a little bit difficult to to manage that roster exactly. Where I think you have to be able to to go with the ebbs and flows a little bit of the portal and what that brings with it. So for us, we you know you always want to look to you know help improve your team and get better as a as a hockey team. And I think that's so that's number one and number two. I think for us, it's just really important us to recruit high character. You know, we don't want to just grab a guy to just grab a guy and, uh, you know, maybe there's some added talent there, but now you're dealing with a bunch of other issues. So we've really worked hard on really identifying, obviously, good hockey players, but, but good individuals are well that are going to help contribute to our culture and, and help drive, you know, what we've been able to build here in the last few years. So that's kind of our philosophy there. And, you know, we've been fortunate enough to get guys the second time around a little bit too, where maybe we've recruited them and they've chosen another school over us in the initial recruiting process. But it doesn't maybe work out where they went, and so now we're able to get them on a second wave, second wave around, and get them contributing to our team. and And the third thing for that is we've been able to have some good success with past portal players now. Um, and some of that word of mouth, you know, we got another guy from Notre Dame this year, and you know, they, they talk to their buddies, they, you know, talk about how much they've enjoyed it. And that means just some additional, you know, people coming through that same path. So. Those are kind of three things that we have to deal with and navigate there, and it's never easy. But um, I, you know, I'm excited about the guys we got this season. Mike, I'm sure that when you looked up uh, I-29, you saw what North Dakota did over the year. You were like the rest of us, going like, "Oh my goodness, um, somebody angered them because they reloaded uh, to no end." And and Paul and I were talking about it, and we said, you know, sometimes that can be good and bad for teams because, and I'm sure you've seen this, but. Uh, you get a lot of talented players, and right now the, the lower ranks of hockey are producing a lot of talented players, but you really need to build a roster, don't you? Guys that will buy into the penalty kill or the power play or being the third or fourth line or uh, maybe when they've come off of being a, a top-line player from their junior team or whatever. Is, has that changed at all over the years for you, or uh, am I off on that? Oh, you break up a good point. You're always trying to build a team and have certain pieces to, you know, certain puzzle pieces to fit into what you want to build a team. It's a little bit more difficult now with the, with the color talk because you don't always know who's coming and going, you know, to find maybe that, like you said, that penalty killer specialist or that power forward or that skilled player. But you definitely have to have that in mind when you're looking to complete that roster. And, and to your point, the, the top teams now in college hockey, the North Dakotas of the world, if you look over the last two or three years, I mean, they kind of have their pick on the portal, it seems like, right? They're really able to, you know, really reload or, or upgrade there. So I think that's just one of the things you have to deal with nowadays. And But I think when you're in, in our situation, you just try to try to find the right guys. And whether that's systematically, whether that's positionally, as you mentioned, the skill set you're looking for to complete your team, um, that's kind of where we start, you know? So... Uh, it, it's always interesting, you know, and that's always an interesting case study a bit too. I mean, we're always curious to, you know, maybe there's a player you went off after that you didn't get or there's one you maybe avoided going after. It's always interesting as we'll get a few more years down the road here to see how those guys pan out, um, whether it's positive or negatively, as you keep learning on how to be best practices and deal with the portal and making sure you're making strategic, educated decisions to help your program. And if I can piggyback on that one just a second, um, the mental side of it too has got to be uh, difficult for some of these guys. I mean, you got some guys that come in maybe in the past that weren't a top line player, but were really a good, solid, skilled hockey player. And now you've got so many talented players that some guys just don't get into the lineup, not maybe because of 
who they are or what they're doing, but maybe somebody's just outperforming for a week or two weeks or whatever. Um, how hard is that mentally to keep these guys engaged and, and ready to play every weekend, no matter what, because you never know when that injury happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you know, one of the things I know as a coach is usually your start of the year lineup looks different than your end of the year lineup. And so you have to relay that message to your athletes to stay ready and keep competing, keep improving because you're exactly that point. You don't know when injuries come. You don't know when opportunities going to present itself. And I think that's a, a skill set of the entire coaching staff. The head coach obviously is the, the focal point, but also the assistant coaches to, you know, make sure that everybody's staying engaged and staying on the development plan uh, for them to, to be prepared when that opportunity presents it. Because as we know, as coaches, that, that the opportunity will come. And so the more you're ready for that as a player, um, you know, the better opportunity to have a success when that opportunity presents itself. And, and to your point, too, at the portal, I mean, that's another thing, too, that, you know, you have to really manage that. And, and uh, you know, there might be guys out there that are available because, you know, they're really good players. But when you're on a team with just so much depth, you might not get the opportunity. You might get somewhere else. So that's definitely a huge part of, you know, just a lot of the transfer process as well. Coach, on uh, the team you got out on the ice in the last couple of days, right? I assume that that uh, class started yesterday or maybe on Friday I, uh, for the first couple of days of practice here. Um, as, I, as I look at your lineup, um, especially your defensemen, uh, you've got a lot of sophomore defensemen in, in Joaquin LeMay and, and, and Griffin Ludke and, and Jacob Wevin. Uh, these guys played a lot of games for you last year. Um, how much easier or how much does it help a team overall to have that, even if it's one-year experience on the back end? As yeah, that's great. To- experience is experience. You can, you can learn, you can study, you can teach, but at the end of the day, experience is experience, and sometimes there's no substitute for it, and uh, not only in life, but uh, but in hockey. And so, to your point, uh, you know, these guys having a year and then see each under their belts and coming back, you can already tell they're stronger, they're faster, just physically, but also you can tell just on the ice they're more confident. And, they, you know, they know how to defend a little bit better. They know how to be a little bit quicker with their decision-making. They know how to work for their ice a little bit more. Know all these little things that, you know, takes months to, to instill um, in players throughout their first year with you. And so it's really exciting to watch these guys develop and, and take steps. And and uh, they're going to be really solid contributors for us this season. Coach, I want to give you a chance to talk about uh, your coaching staff just a little bit because, um, like everybody knows, the NCAA loosened up and gave you the opportunity to get a new coach. And uh, I had mentioned to Paul, I said, one thing that I noticed seeing a lot of games over the last few years were that um, there may be a time or maybe several times that you had to send a coach to a recruiting event um, and you were you were left a little shorthanded on the bench, not just you, but every team. Uh, how nice is that to have that extra body or two? Oh, it's huge, not only for, for the staffs, you know, just well-being and uh, and way to execute things and be best at our craft just by having enough people able to capable, but for the athletes as well. You know, there's numerous times I've ran a practice by myself because the two assistants are on the road recruiting. And, uh, you know, that doesn't help our guys get better when there's only one coach on the ice. So now the ability to, you know, at least have probably two coaches at most practices and, 
and like you said, uh, you know, maybe then you can freeze up for one guy to be on the road. It's tremendous. So I think, you know, we talked about the student athlete experience, and I think having an extra coach on staff now just does nothing but add value to those student athletes with time to coach and teach and do video and get better. And, and then also as a staff allows you to, you know, make sure you're recruiting properly and getting the right time amount on the road as well too. And you have to dedicate to your recruiting practices. So it's really, uh, it's really benefit. And yeah, just to go over our staff quickly here, we have Bennett Hambrook um, that's stepping into that new role um, with that position, position uh, being created there. And, and he was our hockey ops last year that filled in for coach Paul Gerard that unfortunately passed away there. So, you know, we went with just a three-man staff all last year to now a five-man staff. So being a man down for the whole season to now having five, it's going to be great just to have some more time with our athletes and, and make sure we're prepared. And then we've added uh, Peter Aubrey that I mentioned earlier uh, as an associate coach coming from the Chicago Blackhawks and the Rockford um, organization. And uh, he was in college hockey about eight years ago, um, a little bit at Lake State Mercyhurst. He's got a little bit of that NCAA background with four years there and then eight years professional at the NHL, American League level. Um, so really nice for him to be able to help uh, educate our guys on what it takes to play in the National Hockey League and the American Hockey League. And, and obviously, you know, really sees the game from a, a good lens, offensively and defensively, and can focus on our goaltending a little bit too. And then we have uh, Coach Dave Walbernie, um, who's been with me since I've been here. So going on seven years now as our associate head coach. And uh, he was previously with the Detroit Wood Wings as an assistant coach. And again, another guy with really good pro experience that's done a great job here with our development of our guys. And, uh, you know, very good on video and pre-scouting and skill development and some very, you know, very, very good strengths um, of his. So, yeah, so really excited just to have the whole staff together here and, and ready to roll for the season. Let me uh, jump into that one more because I want to talk, if you can, a little bit about um, your director of hockey ops because a lot of people see those guys, but they don't really see those guys, right? They don't know how hard they work and what they do. They just see the title on the on the website. And the other part of that is your hockey strength and performance guys and, and trainers. How important have they been and has it been getting to be a bigger role for them in college hockey as the years go by? It is. I mean, if you, you know, and, and that's where I got to know Ben and Hambrick so well, they're doing both roles last year. And then now we have Brian Suslow here from, we just hired from the, the Penn State program here and, and he's getting his feet wet there and they're, they're your right hand man. I mean, they're, they're involved and they, they understand how much stuff goes through you as the head coach to use your desk and non-hawk related, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, for a lot of it. And uh, so they do a great job of, you know, learning how you think and, you know, not only that, uh, you know, they're so intelligent on their decision-making processes. They can take the lead on a bunch of things uh, that need to be dealt with. So they're so important for making your life easier and freeing you up to, to do the things that matter at the end of the day um, that often we don't get enough time to spend on. So they're, they're tremendous. And then you mentioned our strength and performance coach. That's Mike Lewis for us. He's been us for, with us at least five years now, and he's a coach. I mean, he's a coach. He's obviously not, a do on, not allowed to be on ice for on ice coaching, but I consider him a coach because he has those guys, whether it's in the summer, um, you know, whether it's in the off-season stuff, and, and he's driving that ship in the weight room. And, you know, we've made some tremendous gains over the years with increasing guys' speed and strength and, and actual factual data on ice speed and stuff, which, you know, is a little bit tougher to improve skiing and things like that. We've done a, we feel we have a really good program here in place to do that and he spent a lot of time on that and so he's a coach too and he's got to be you know just continuing our core values and echoing what you echo and 
and not only that contributed his own piece to it, which he does, you know, tenfold. So, uh, as you mentioned, just they're part of the staff and uh, just as important as anybody. Okay, so as we head into the season, uh, and I am admittedly the college hockey neophyte here, Coach. All right, I've you know I've been doing this the the, the podcast here for about four you know for about five years now, um, and as somebody who grew up here in New York, you know college hockey was not really on our radar. Okay, so uh, once again, just uh, giving you my perspective here, and. As we have gotten deeper and deeper into this, um, I sit here today and I look at uh, your team and your league, and I don't think I've ever seen in, 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 in my time in trying to follow this, where this league is as much of a scramble as to who will finish where in the standings, where you could pick it out of a hat and have a chance to be right. Um, am I far off on that diagnosis? No, I don't think you are. I mean, obviously, the, you know, there's a lot of heavy hitters in our league, and you know, they do nothing but you know, return elite players or, or reload, as you put it there, mate. So, there's there's always uh, yeah, 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 you cringe always when you hear the news of somebody getting there or somebody going to the portal to there, and because uh, you know, every team's really getting strong, but uh, but that's how it works, and I think you're right, you know, where the chips fall, uh, we'll see what happens. Mike, the uh, the final one for me, and I, I appreciate you taking some time to to spend with us today because we love talking hockey, as you can probably tell by now. But um, give us a little thumbnail for our listeners that are getting used to you. They should know who UNO is right now, but if you can, tell them a little bit about Baxter. Tell them a little bit about uh, you know what happens there because you guys did a terrific job of hosting um, a bubble, uh, if, if I can even use that term. It was a tight bubble uh, during the pandemic, but um, what makes Omaha Omaha? Well, just first off, it's this city's this city's special. It's an unbelievable city. I think it's constantly ranked one of the top twenty cities in the United States to live, and it's kind of one of those you know, as people in Omaha like to say, locals like to say, it's one of the best kept secrets, and they like it that way, um, <laughs> so it doesn't get too busy. But it's uh, you know, just the city's really beautiful. I mean, it's super friendly. The weather's great. Uh, people are very, you know, very accommodating and very supportive of their college athletics. There's no professional teams here. So really, really, I mean, that's the reason why we finished, I think, third in the country in attendance last season. Um, the athletic department made a great effort to really push attendance, and they've done a great job there, and we ended up finishing third in the country. And, and the St. Sovereign Village, where the campus is and the arena is, we built Baxter Arena right on the campus there. We have a practice facility um, right next to our performance facility, which is which is great, where it's a one-stop shop. Guys come here to eat, work out, train, play. Everything's right here, and it's just a, a short walk from the dorms and from campus. And, um, you know, in the Xarban Village, there's a ton of restaurants and bars and movie theater and all those things that were in walking distance. So my family's coming down for a game day. they got to get there earlier. There's no tables available. It just gets <laughs> so busy. So it's a really neat place to take in a game and just to walk around. Our associate coach, Dean Overney, has a condo just two minutes away, and it's just a really vibrant kind of that urban life where people are always walking around and, and lots of things to do. So it's a really special place. And, and as I mentioned earlier in the thing, when you get recruits here, they're just always blown away. You know, they use the term... Just can't believe how nice it is in person, and so it's uh, uh, 
it's a special place, a special community, very supportive. Obviously, a lot of really good local support here, just even just with donations and helping us run the program as best as we can. And I think that's kind of what the, the community of Omaha is about. It's about supporting each other. It's about hardworking. And we actually try to model that with our with our team. We always want to be a team that's prepared and plays extremely hard, competes extremely hard, and does things the right way and carries herself properly on and off the ice. And I think that's a little bit like the city. So when I was trying to think of our core values, when we we're building, you know, my spin on the program, I I thought a little bit about what's the state like and what's the city like, and can we emulate that a little bit in how we play and how we conduct ourselves. So um, special place to play. Obviously, I'm biased. I played here, and uh, um, now I get to. All the privilege of being back here to live here in culture well coach uh, i i mean i i, I you know in, in trying to research and you know not ask stupid questions um you know again um i see where you guys are pretty much topped out on season tickets and there are pictures of your players um as and i don't i'm not even sure what the the, the, the right word is for it but whatever the name of the group is that helps the kids that come in on campus new and move into dorms and all that other stuff. So, um, I mean, kudos to the, to the community and your players, uh, because I don't think I've seen too many pictures of players, uh, being in those positions, helping, uh, new students come in and, and, and get themselves settled. I don't, I don't think I've seen that too much. Yeah, that stems from our leadership. You know, we've got, you know, Nolan Sullivan, Jack Randall, Matt Miller, who are our three visible captains right now currently. And, uh, you know, they just are excellent human beings. If, if my son grows up to be like any one of those three, I'll take it right now. And uh, uh, just tremendous individuals, great leaders, great young men. And we kind of talk about, you know, you know, you don't, don't be too cool for school a little bit, right? You know, I think it's just like that on the ice too. Uh, you know, a lot of times in practice with young men, they, they don't like to try their hardest or they're trying to look, you know, like they're cool. They don't want to push their comfort zone and they don't want to do those things. And that's not how you get better quicker. And so it's the same thing off the ice, you know, let's do things that are going to make people uh, be appreciated. Some things that people would like us to do to help them out. And, you know, we, I think they just got a great mindset that they, they're not, uh, they're not too big to help out anywhere. And, and I think uh, that's why we get so many students out to our games because they feel a little of that love as well, which, which helps uh, drive that uh, uh, ownership of everybody all in it together for a common goal for sure. Mike, we appreciate your time. I will catch up with you uh, on the 13th, I guess, uh, uh, in St. Paul for Media Day. But thanks for spending some time with us. You'll catch me uh, a bunch this year. I've got you guys already earmarked for quite a few times. You'll see me. So Lock thanks the doors, again coach. For, uh, for coming on. Hey, boys. Thanks. Appreciate it for having me on and appreciate you guys taking the time to cover uh, cover our sport and our program. Absolutely. Thanks, That's Mike Gabinet, the uh, head coach from the University of Nebraska, Omaha. Paul and I will be back in just a couple of minutes to uh, – wrap up another episode an early episode if you will of the college hockey hockey west weekly podcast we'll be right back at behind the mask we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. 
go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegers. And they score on the lacrosse move. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. After a hard day at work or a long week, what's better than good comfort food to put you at ease? At the Spaghetti Shack, we say the answer is comfort food that's made by somebody else. The Spaghetti Shack has taken spaghetti and meatballs, the classic Italian comfort food, to a portable level. ASU alumni owned and operated, the Spaghetti Shack has three locations at 6340 South Rural Road in Tempe, the ASU location at 922 East Apache Road, and 952 West White Mountain Road in Pine Top. For lunch, dinner, or catering as well, Call us at 480-687-2485 or order online at thespaghettishack.com. From the nation's best college hockey conference, access exclusive on-demand content and watch more than 140 live games. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. On your phone, computer, or stream to your TV. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. When you can't be there, be here. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. So you're a few weeks into the season and that brand new equipment bag is starting to get kind of funky. Those sweaty gloves and pads, yuck. Well, there's only so much you can do about it. But when that new pair of summer skates starts to pick up that scent, that's easy. Our customizable shower shoes go right into the washing machine, then air dry overnight, and they're ready for their next shift at the rink. Customizable for your team or with your favorite player's name and number, summer skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear, are perfect for players in the desert or even for just wearing around the house. Head to IcetimeHockeyWest.com and click on the Summer Skates link to get your personalized koozies and shower shoes today. Coming to you from the Summer Skate Studios, ITHSW Podcast presents College Hockey West Weekly. Indeed it is College Hockey West Weekly, albeit a little bit earlier in the day than normal, but... As I mentioned earlier, for good reason, we just had the head coach from the University of Nebraska, Omaha, the Mavericks, Mike Gabinette, join us uh, to talk Maverick hockey and everything else. Man, Paul, you know this, um, and Scott Strandy with you in Lake Elmo, Minnesota tonight, Paul Hornstein on Long Island, New York. But uh, Paul, you know this as well. Every time we have a a guest on, we always learn something, don't we? I mean, these guys are so knowledgeable. And they all have little bits and pieces. And people people will tell me when I tell them, tell them what we do, they'll say, like, how do you keep up the content? I'm going, like, hey, the, the guests provide the content. Absolutely. We just ask the questions. Right. I mean, I don't think 
I mean, occasionally I ask original questions, right? But I mean, are there original questions anymore? All you can do is kind of, what I try to do is listen to the answers and try to ask the next question, right? A couple of different times the coach brought something up that I might've gotten to eventually, but since he brought it up, like playing new teams like LIU and, 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 and ASU, you know, and reciprocating what teams did for them when, when UNO was a new program. I, I, I mean, it, you have, if you're answer, asking a question, you have to listen to the answer. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, especially guys that, or gals, depending on what we're doing, um, that we have not had on before, you know, there's always that feel out process and hopefully, and usually it's the case where by the time the coaches are done with us, you know, they, they feel they're not done. With us. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I mean, I done for that particular show um, <laughs> that, you know, they're, you know, they're like, okay, these guys get it. Um, and, you know, hopefully, uh, coach Gabinet feels the same way, uh, because, you know, it is important to us to, to make everybody feel comfortable. It comes on, you know, it's, uh, I will say the odd thing here and there that's, um, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to say, yeah, I'll say controversial, but that's not what we're doing. <laughs> You, you will request from Michael Weissman a ninth star on the logo. Yes, I will do that. You, you uh, will request maybe yeah. that they consider putting your name on the MVP trophy. Yes, I might do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, again, uh, you know, this is enough, This is a t- team in the NCHC, right? They finished third last year, two points behind Western Michigan for the regular season champ, you know, race, and one point ahead of St. Cloud for the regular season standings. Um, And it's going to be just that way again this year. It might even be worse. (laughs) In terms of of the, it depends how you look at it, but well, I mean, in terms of how tight and what a scramble that the the league is going to be, like I said, two, three, and four last year were three points apart. Um, And then five, six, and seven were a, a kind of a tier of its own. And I don't, I don't think that'll happen this year. I I think, again, certainly three through seven, um, at least, will be pick out of a hat. And if it was one through seven, it wouldn't shock me either. Even though I kind of think there is a certain pecking order, and I made that known. But this is, you know, uh, this is what we want, right? I mean... How are we going to get some insight on each individual team unless we talk to these guys? Yeah, exactly. And and the nice part about it is, and I'll say this over and over again, is that um, every time we have a coach on from any one of our 10 NCAA teams or across the board, really, um, they're all so open and so willing to talk and so willing to express their thoughts about how they run their program. And you brought it up earlier. You said, um, you know, I don't know if I asked any original questions. Well, here's the thing. You can ask the same question to every coach and you're going to get a different answer from every coach because they all have their own take on what they want to do and how they want to do it. And that's why 
um, I don't feel bad at all asking the same question to different coaches because I want to pick their brain. I want to find out what makes them tick, what makes them think they can make their team an NCAA champion. And I'm impressed. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it makes it really hard for me, as you know, because I go cover a lot of games yep. and uh, I can only carry so many pom-poms with me. Well, no, I'm not worried about that part of it because you got them all. <laughs> You have them all. You have all the pomp. I mean, geez, holy smokes. What can I come up with for a nickname? Cozy the Cozy? Um, Stop. No, I'm don't Simon. even go. No. I got to work on Simon. I got to no. work on Simon. No, just no. Don't even go there. <laughs> all right. But it was a good point that he made. Um, it, you know, you, you think about it here. And and it, like I said to the coach, um, when I watched him in the World Juniors a couple of years ago, I said, this guy's going to kill it. And, you know, he reminded me and, and that, you know, even a player in a pressure situation like that, when he plays at a new level, the next le you know, it, it's an adjustment period. Yeah, I right? think we forget and, about that because you see him play against the best in the world, but right. that's the best in the world at an age group. There's another group of best in the world, and yet there's a couple more steps before you get to truly the best in the world. Yeah. I mean, and, and you want, and, and, and sometimes, like I said, we forget about it. Right. And, you know, when you look at, at, at what they did last year, there are not a lot of games, especially in that second half of the season, like the coach said, where uh, Omaha was giving up more than two goals in a game. Did they have the odd game? Um, yeah, they did. I mean, you know, nobody's going to have, uh, is everybody has bad, has, has an off game, you know, but when you look at those odd games too, um, you're talking about an odd, an, an off game at Western Michigan. You're talking about an, uh, an, an, an off game against a, a very good St. Cloud team or a game at Grand Forks. A lot of people have off nights in those places and against those teams. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a couple of more quick points for me. Um, when we were talking and looking at their schedule, just remind everybody, they go to Minnesota State, like you brought up, for an exhibition on October 7th. Um, then they get home dates with Niagara the 13th and 14th of October. Uh, they have home dates with Ohio State the 27th and 28th. Then they jump into NCHC play on November 3rd and 4th against Western Michigan at home. And uh, LIU comes in on the 10th and the 11th at home. So all the way up until their first road game, real road game, I guess, November 17th at Denver. So you're good at this, and I always pick your brain on this. When you look at that schedule, Paul, how does that um, – or – what would be considered a success over those, what, 10, 10 games for uh, the, the Mavericks? Well, again, you know, that includes uh, a couple of conference games, right? So before you go into Denver, you would think that, that uh, if I'm sitting here looking at it, two, three – Five. I guess it's eight, eight games. Yeah, well, well, whatever it is, yeah, two, four, six, eight. Yeah, and that eight, eight games, before Denver. 
eight before they go up to Denver and play at Magnus. <sighs> You've got to sit here and and as as a fan, I look at it and say, okay, they have to be six and two going into that game against Denver. Fair enough. Okay, I always like um, to uh, plug your brain on that because I sit here and pick first of brain, all, maybe. remember. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's not much to pick at. Remember, I shouldn't plug it, though, either. <laughs> yeah, probably should be plugged. Um, you know, we remember, when, when, when you're playing in the NCHC, right, you have the advantage of that, or almost that advantage of that automatic strength of schedule. Right, yep. Okay. Um, so... You're not you're you have plenty of chances to make up for that quote unquote bad night because of your strength of schedule. Right? And in those first eight games, you got four games against Ohio State and Western Michigan. Now it helps that they're at home. But the odds of you going eight no, and if you go eight no, I mean, look out. <laughs> yeah, and and on the flip side of that, Paul, and I don't want to say that first part of it is easy because there is no such not thing easy. easy. No, 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 I'm not home, saying that. Which is better. Right. But what I'm saying is when you hit the, the, uh, the new year and you start off at the Desert Hockey Classic in Tempe and then you go to North Dakota and you bring Denver to you and you go to St. Cloud State and you bring Minnesota Duluth to you and you go to Western Michigan, and then you bring Colorado College to you, and then you finish up the uh, regular season at Miami and with North Dakota at home. There are no breaks. No, and, and again, until the NCAA championship. And, and, and again, you know, you were talking about the NCHC, and, you know, uh, you want to argue that. Uh, uh, there hasn't been much of an argument that they've been the best league over the last 10 years. Maybe not in an individual year, but overall, they've been the best league. Yeah, without a doubt. And this year, they figured it'd be, I'm dead serious. I believe there's a realistic opportunity for them to get six teams out of the 16 into the NCAA tournament. Could very well happen. I think um, the, the, the built in strength of schedule, and I think the the games that they're going to play against non-conference opponents, every team across the board yeah, leads them I mean, to just... – uh, we talked about it. North Dakota might have the toughest schedule of all, and they could be just over 500 or at 500, and they're going to get in. Well, it, it would be close anyway. I mean, if there was going to be a chance that someone with a, 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 a record in that neighborhood was going to get in, you would think with that kind of schedule that they would. So well, well, I always say, and you know this, that uh, twenty is the magic number for me. If you get to twenty wins, I think you deserve a shot at the NCAA tournament. Um, well, we'll see 20... if we can get them to make it twenty-four teams, and then it would definitely get you. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me know how that goes. I know you're working on We're... letters and and emails yes. to send out to the proper yes. people. I know that's all happening behind the scenes. So if it happens, it'll be a lot like your prediction on the NCHC that. Uh, that's the way that the postseason should be be determined. Well, all I know is this. If the NCAA <laughs> was going to listen to me. Um, We'd be a lot should. better off. Well, yeah, because <laughs> Lord only knows that there's. Well, yeah. OK, we're going to we're going to we're going to stop now. <laughs> OK.
<laughs> Take it away, my friend. From the Summer Skate Studios behind the mask, College Hockey West Weekly, brought to you by Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue, Las Vegas style. Go to jessieraysbarbecue.com to order lunch, cater an event, or pick up a few bottles of our award-winning sauces. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our Three Valley locations or behindthemask.com. The NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Tag Creative Group. Search T. Grand Rudd on redbubble.com and have us create that unique design for your business or gift-giving needs. The Spaghetti Shack, classic Italian comfort food quickly in three locations, two in Tempe and one in Pine Top at thespaghettishack.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos Worldwide. It's where the action is in the resort or in town. FedEx, the official package delivery company of Ice Time Hockey West. Liberty University College at Hockey, Education, and Faith with Equal Passion at liberty.edu. And College Hockey, Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. College Hockey West Weekly presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Help others find the show and the podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing at ITHSW Podcast. That's ITHSW Podcasts, all one word, on your favorite podcast platform. Behind the Mask College Hockey West Weekly and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Very well done, my friend. I will say a big thank you to the head coach from the University of Nebraska, Omaha, Mike Gabinet, for joining us today. Uh, earlier in the day, we appreciate and we will oftentimes uh, change our schedule to accommodate somebody else's whenever possible. So we appreciate that. We look forward to seeing the Mavericks on the ice as well as our other nine NCAA teams that we cover as we pursue the, uh, the I-29 corridor, North Dakota, Sioux Falls, Omaha. You like that? Can you follow along, Paul? Do I? I, I do. <laughs> not not on a map, but I do. <laughs> I'm going to get you a map. I'm going to put a little star everywhere that we have a team now, so that you know where we are. I never know where you are. <laughs> All right. We'll say good night, little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro. Good night, everybody. Good night.